Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Verse 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Let's go on down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Everybody say they took the city. Hebrews 11.30 kind of summarizes this story, and it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after that they were encircled for seven days. I'd like to preach a message entitled, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down. When the walls come tumbling down. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear. I pray, God, as Tabitha admonished, Lord, that we would open our faith up, our expectancy up for for you to do great things, for for walls to come down. She didn't know I was going to say that. For the walls to come down in Jesus' name. We give you praise for it. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In our reading, the Lord had given Joshua this battle plan. It was crazy. It was to march around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. This could not have um, made Joshua's military commanders and generals very happy because this was just a crazy, whacked-out, goofy plan. Foolish. But God had his reasons. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 28 says, let's look at 26. For you see your, your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God calls people like that. Look around you right now. You see those people around you? There might be a couple of wise people, but there's not many wise people around you. There's not many <clears throat> mighty around you, not many noble around you. But God, it says, verse 27, has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, listen, that no flesh should glory in His presence. One thing for sure, Israel could never take credit for the victory that we just read about. All the glory would have to go to God. Now they did their part, we're going to talk about that. But their part was just, excuse my frankness, was just stupid. It was absurd. March around the walls in absolute silence. And it was in a weird formation. It was with priests holding trumpets going first, followed by priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, this this little small box, 
and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people behind all of them. And then on cue, after a certain space of time and going through all the hoops, they're to blow their shofars and shout. It's crazy. That could never bring the walls down. You know that, right? That game plan could never bring the walls down. God brought the walls down. But they were doing something that he had asked of them, and that's kind of what opened the pathway, the the doorway for those walls to come crashing down. They even were required to break their own protocols. Think about this. For instance, they were to march for seven days straight. Normally Jews, according to the law of Moses, are going to work six days, and on the seventh day, what do they do? They rest. It's the Shabbat. It's the Sabbath. And the Lord said to them, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march one time around the wall every day for six days on the seventh day. You're not going to rest. As a matter of fact, you're going to do seven times the work. You're going to get up early and start marching all day and march around it seven times. According to the law, also, the priests were not even supposed to go to battle, go to war. But here they are at the front of the line in battle formation. Incidentally, even the children were in battle formation. This was such an outrageous plan, bodacious, as we would say in the South. The people had to be all in just to go along with such an absurd, foolish plan. And to add to it, just a few days earlier, the men of Israel, born during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, which was the majority of them, They had to be circumcised at Gilgal, where it says the Lord rolled away the shame of Egypt from them. It's interesting because they were not born in Egypt, and yet the shame of the bondage had been attached to them and and had to be cut away. And, And as they pledged allegiance to the words of the covenant, the shame of those years was taken away from this generation. These people marched around those walls. Just a few days later, those men marched around the walls. Just a few days later, I'm telling you, these people were highly committed. This was a new generation. This was a young generation. The majority of these people were in their 20s and 30s. There were some in their 40s. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones in their 80s because all of their peers from that previous generation had failed God 40 years earlier, and they had all died in the wilderness. In their 80s, however, Joshua and Caleb were highly committed as well. But they had been that way for a long time. 40 years ago, when they first laid eyes on the city of Jericho, they knew it belonged to them. They knew they could take it. They knew it was their destiny to take it. At this time in our story, in Joshua 6, this younger generation had taken over. That previous generation had died in the wilderness. So the priests with their horns were young priests in their 30s, and maybe some in their 40s. There were priests that were carrying the ark. They were young. The warriors were young in their 20s and 30s and 40s. They were highly committed, this generation. We see that at Gilgal. I'll emphasize that again being circumcised late in life, going straight to Jericho. Man, this is a highly committed generation. There is a generation, I want to tell you today, 
that has risen up at Life Point Church, Wildlife Kids, Young Life, our hyphens, and, and, and this is our moment, y'all. This is our day. And, and they're, they're, these young people are leading in ministries all across this church. I think that's amazing. And there are promises of God laid out before us. And, and, and I love the fact that that generation visited Gilgal. I want to tell something to Young Life and Wildlife Kids and Hyphen. You need to have a Gilgal experience in your life where you surrender everything to the Lord and you fully commit yourself to God. I'm not talking about half-hearted, compromising, convenient, comfortable commitment, but the kind of commitment that makes you walk different, talk different, live different in spite of your peer pressure and cultural pressure. The kind of commitment that rolls away the shame of Egypt off of you. The kind of commitment that causes you to buy in to the foolishness of God, which is the cross, Paul said, and the gospel and Jesus, people, mission, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, going into all the world and being a witness and fasting and praying and obeying and being radical and being on fleek. What? 52-year-old pastor up here. Nick, what? On fleek. Turning your world upside down for Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people in this house, young people, you hear me. We got some out today. There, there's a lot of people in this house who have been following the Lord for a long time, many years, and they've been faithful to God. And many years ago, like Joshua and Caleb, they spied out some stuff that they knew belonged to them, and, and, and they knew that it was part of their destiny. Revival, the power of God, a church on fire, miracles and wonders and signs. And I'm telling you, we are all, all of us, young and old alike, standing on the verge of promises that God has made to us. There have been some who have recently committed themselves to Jesus. Some have recently recommitted themselves to the Lord. If you've been serving the Lord for a long time or just a short time, I'm looking at some people today that I believe you're the most committed to the Lord that you've ever been in your life. And Jesus is not going to let you down. There are walls that are about to fall and you're going to enter into every promise that he's ever made to you. It will come to pass. The walls are going to tumble down and you're going to take the city. This is an assignment. This is an alignment. There is a momentum and a synergy and a holy thing. This is our time. This is our day. Walls are going to tumble down, y'all. Come on, give him some praise right now. Amen. As the old timers would say, amen. Right? You can be independent Baptist. And you'll know what that means. Or you can be old school Pentecostal. There's a few of us, you know. Amen. Now, God is the one who brings down the wall. But what is so cool is that he invites us to partner with him. Think about that. God of the universe says, I'm going to do something awesome. And I'm going to let you help me. Here's what I need you to do. Think about that. We get to partner with him. In the case of the children of Israel at Jericho, you can put it like this. God's grace brought down the wall. 
but it was only by way of their faith, which included their obedience. We, we read that in Hebrews 11.30. That's what it said. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Faith and obedience. In other words, they applied spiritual pressure to the walls. Not physical, but spiritual pressure to the walls. And, and as, they, as they did, those walls came crashing down. Now, God did the work, but it, he, he used their faithful obedience to bring it about. Now, if that happened with them, that can happen with us. There are walled cities, so to speak, filled with God's promises. God's promised stuff to us, y'all, and the enemy has walls up saying, nope, you can't have it. But I'm telling you today, the walls are about to tumble down in some of your lives. Stuff you've been praying for, believing for, hoping for, I'm telling you, the walls are about to tumble down. Now, I want to give you some, some ways that they applied the spiritual pressure. Number one, I've already mentioned it, is through faith-filled obedience. Faith-filled obedience. Say that with me. The children of Israel were told to do something very simple and seemingly foolish. March around the walls. I've come to realize this. I don't have to know why God asked me to do things. My responsibility is to trust His wisdom and do what He asks. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking questions and, and, and trying to figure out what He means by this. But don't get stuck in the paralysis of analysis and, and use your lack of understanding why as an excuse not to go ahead and obey. Amen? When Jesus turned the water into wine in John chapter 2, Mary told those servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the last recorded words we have of Mary in the Bible. And Jesus said to those servants, fill those pots with water. Well, they need wine, not water. What are you talking about? It's not your responsibility to understand. Just put the water in the pots and go serve it and watch what happens. And as they did so, the water was turned into wine. It's just a good advice. Uh, it's a good statement to do what he says to do. It, sometimes it's so simple, we end up overanalyzing it and explaining it away. I'm talking about applying spiritual pressure to the walls around God's promises. Let me give you some examples. For some of us, we, we turn to Jesus, and maybe we've not been water baptized. And God's been saying, you've seen it in the Word, you've heard it in the preaching, and the still small voice of the Lord is saying, you need to follow through on that commitment. It just seems silly, though, when you really break it down. I know we're very familiar with water baptism, especially in North America, and, and, and it's something that's part of our culture uh, for a lot of us. But at the same time, when you step back and think about it, the word means immerse. How silly is it to say in my walk with this great big spiritual God, I should be immersed, dunked in, in water? What is that? I, I, we were in Israel. We went to the Jordan River. It's muddy. I saw the one where, you know, Jesus was baptized and a lot of John the Baptist and a lot of the New Testament church was baptized. Muddy, dirty, nasty. And yet, 
They insisted, the 12 insisted on baptizing people constantly. We baptize people in rivers and streams and lakes and, and uh, you know, the old school baptistry where it's like on the back of the stage and there's the beautiful mural that's painted over it, you know. And you can tell like somebody, like the local artist in the church painted it and the mountains are kind of like, it's like it doesn't look exactly to scale or something. Like it's a cross between Picasso and a third grader. And, and you know, you're trying to say, I, that's, I see that. That's cool, you know. Uh, and, and then there's the, the fancy baptistries. Now the churches, man, they got big old walk-ins. And it's just amazing. We have this fabulous thing over here that we put essential oils in them and, and little candles floating and, and rose petals. And not really. I'm just kidding. That'd be creepy. But. We, we we all, you know, it's, we're familiar with baptism, but when you really get down to the nitty-gritty, it's such a strange thing. What is there about water baptism that's important to God? Why does He command it? Why does He demand it? And what is it about the name of Jesus, being baptized in the name of Jesus? The twelve, again, insisted on it and, and constantly pushed it. And we can study and we can research it. But listen, it's not about understanding the why. It's about obeying the word, right? He said to do it, whatever he says to do, do it. He commanded his disciples, go out and baptize them and, and, and make disciples. We got to submit to it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want to get wet. It doesn't matter. It's not up to you. It's what the master has said. I'm talking about applying spiritual pressure to those walls. Faith-filled obedience. Okay, you said it, I'll do it. I'll never forget when Greg came running up here practically, tears in his eyes. He he had already told me, he said, I want to get baptized later on privately. Then he comes up here crying. He said, i got to get baptized now. In that big old booming voice, he's got, i got to be baptized now, Pastor. I'm like, cool, man, we'll do it. Baptized. That big old fella right there in that little old bitty baptistry. And God did an amazing work. It's not about knowing the why. It's about obeying the word. What's he saying to you? There are others of us. We've, we, we've not uh, spoken in tongues. Baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. and I don't want to be identifying with that group of people. Man, that's wacko. That's crazy. I would rather, you know, have the, the kind of church where I come check the box, go home, it, nothing supernatural happens. We serve a supernatural God who's wanting, listen, to clothe us with power from on high and fill us with the Father, man, the fullness of the Godhead. Put it all down on the inside, wall to wall, Jesus on the inside, and send us out into the world to be powerful witnesses. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you need, you need to be filled, you need to receive. Sometimes it's not a matter of knowing the why. It's a matter of just obeying. I've come to receive. You want me, Father? I'm here. And I'm not just going to say, okay, if you want me to have it, I'll get it. I'm going to pursue. I want to be filled. I will open my mouth and sing your praises, God. Put your word in my mouth. Speak through me, God. I receive. I've come to receive. That kind of obedience, faith-filled obedience, Obedience brings about an anointing that abides, removes every burden, destroys every yoke, and brings down the walls. Holding our promises captive. Some of us deal with money, you know. God's speaking to us. You need to give. You need to open up. You need to be a giver. You need to tithe. We just did pastor's challenge. 
There's a blessed life, a life of favor, promotion that waits for us on the other side of our obedience. We've paid off two loans in the last two weeks. Come on now. I've been overwhelmed by what God has done through you. Just the, the commitments and, and the giving. It's been amazing. And, 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 and I've, 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 been, I've been blown away. I had lunch with our banker on Friday. And, and he and I were sitting at a little Mexican restaurant in Opelousas. And I handed him a check to pay off one of the loans. And, 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 and both of us were crying talking about what God was doing at LifePoint and what God had for the future and I told him, I said, John, I said, the Lord spoke to me on January 7th this year. He said, I'm going to do a work in your spirit, and then it's going to reach up and affect and touch your mind and heal you in some areas, and then everything you touch, I'm just going to prosper, and it's going to rise. And John's crying. He said, touch me. <laughs> he did. He said, touch me, man. I just, it was awesome. And we've made a significant dent in our debt, and we're doing more. And, and, and I'm just telling you, we're going to, Pay off our mortgage. We're going to burn a mortgage here. John said, I'm going to bring it down. We'll burn it together. And I've been getting reports of doors opening, needs being met, debts being canceled, deals being made, new business opportunities opening up, contracts, raises, bonuses. And the reason why is because if we stepped out in faithful obedience, there's been a redemptive lift. Walls are coming down. Walls are coming down. And not only that, I pitched it as if, if we will be obedient in this mission, God will send his people. And we've been getting phone calls. You know, we had a we had a pretty much a rock star in our service a couple of weeks ago. Been on the phone with him. Been amazing. Never saw that coming. Never saw that come. Got a phone call. This guy, it's a long story, and I'm not trying to draw attention to it, keeping press out and all that kind of stuff, but just God opened a door that we couldn't have opened. Not only that, I, I, we, we've just had families calling. The, last night, 10 o'clock at night, we get a phone call, a family calling. I got somebody in Prairieville. I live in Texas. They're interested in your church. They want to get baptized. We got another phone call from somebody else uh, yesterday. Conan, Conan, red beard Conan, wore a, a, one of our wildest wild boys, wore a Santa Claus cape and blue fire and swallowed swords and all that stuff. One of our saints uh, years ago, back in the day, calls me up. Conan's like, Pastor, I need a favor. And we ministered to a friend of his here in Baton Rouge and, and helped him. And, and it was just awesome what happened. God's been opening those doors. Why? Faithful obedience is bringing down walls. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? Faithful obedience. Here's another way that we can put spiritual pressure on the walls around our promises. Number two, prayer. Faith-filled prayer. I have been reignited when it comes to prayer this year. The power of prayer. Uh, tomorrow night's first Monday prayer. I'm excited about it. God still answers prayer. I'm convinced more than ever. You heard Tabitha's testimony. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said of himself, I am the Lord. I change not. If he ever answered a prayer, he will always answer prayer. If he's the same... If he ever answered prayer, he'll always answer prayer. The problem is not in the answering. The problem is often in the asking. James said, you have not because you ask not. We're so intimidated to ask big prayers like we have a tiny God. We have a big God. None of our needs are nearly as big as our God. Goliath was no match for God. He was a match for man, but not for God. Our problems may be a match for man, but not for God. 
The doctor may say, it's impossible. But whose report will you believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. My sickness, my disease, my problem, my temporary mess up. It's no big deal to our great God. Listen to this. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Notice he doesn't say have faith in church, have faith in man, have faith in the preacher, have faith in your your fellow man, have faith in the humanity and goodness of man. He said have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever has faith in God and says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Period. That sounds pretty stout, does it not? Some of us need to rediscover what it means to pray. I mean, really pray with an attitude of faith. An air of authority. Commanding some things to happen. Stepping out there in boldness. Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever says to the mountain, not God move the mountain, but mountain, I command you to move in Jesus' name. Mountains move when we pray in the name above every name. Some of us have faced distractions recently. This has come to me. Things just getting in our way, interfering with our peace. You need to take authority over those things in Jesus' name. I will not. That's the, that's the wall talking to you and telling you it's not going to happen. It's impossible. You need to start talking to your wall. Your wall will say to you, you can't come in here and get these promises. You'll never be able to possess them. And if we're not careful, we'll start believing the wall and, and we'll be distracted by those voices. I, I'm just going to tell you right now, we need to start talk, talking back to the wall and saying, listen, I don't care what you say to me. This, what, You will fall. I will face you all the way down flat in Jesus' name. I'm walking in obedience and I'm walking in prayer. And you will not keep me from my promises. Some of you need to hear what this preacher is saying. There are promises that God's made for you. And he's come to give them to you. Walk faithfully in obedience and walk powerfully in prayer. And watch the walls fall. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? I remember putting pressure on some walls in my own family. I remember praying over little Lyra Jane and her heart condition when she was born, even before she was born, right when she was born, we we were concerned. And I remember praying over my little grandbaby and believing God. And I remember praying over Ezra and Roe. I remember getting the, the text from Caleb as he was back in the delivery room and he texted me and it, 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 things had gotten bad real quick and he texted me and he said, Dad, y'all need to pray. Ezra's not breathing. Rose unconscious. We don't know what's happening. Please pray. And right there in the middle of that, that 
that waiting room in the hospital. We, we left. It was crowded. There were people in there. We didn't care. Immediately, we said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we believe in life and not death. We believe you're going to raise him up. Touch Ezra, Father. Touch Roe. We believe in healing. By your stripes, we are healed. And we began to talk to those situations. And God raised them up and did amazing things. We prayed over Lyra. God did amazing things in Lyra. I, 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 Anthony and Phyllis, I was reminded... You, uh, uh, years ago, we were praying over Brittany, who was having problems with giving birth to those twins. There were some difficulties. We began to pray over that situation. I'm going to tell you something. The walls will try to tell you the promise doesn't belong to you. You've just got to pray some powerful prayers. Our God is more than enough. What are you facing? Put some obedience pressure on it. Put some prayer pressure on it and watch it fall. And there's another type of spiritual pressure that you can apply to the wall. And it's the third thing I want to talk about. Number three, praise. Praise. Faith-filled praise. Psalm 8, verses 1 and 2. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. That reminds me of that old song. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Anybody remember that? Five people remember that. Yeah, it was real, real hoity toity, wasn't it? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I'm majestic. Well, okay. Oh, Lord. Yes. <clears throat> he says, Who have set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You've ordained strength. In other words, There are enemies, they're noisy, and we need strength to silence them. Well, the enemy, the avenger, is the devil, and God has not left us without weapons, one of which is praise. In Matthew 21, 16, Jesus quoted this psalm and said that the strength ordained is praise. You've ordained praise to steal the avenger. So if we put it together, the Lord has a name that is excellent in all the earth. It's a powerful name. It's like a tidal wave or a tsunami. It's unstoppable. In His glory, His his goodness, the weight of His goodness is above the heavens. In other words, it's vast. But the, the excellence of His name and, and the, the goodness of His glory is not released simply because it exists. Simply because it's there. There is a trigger that releases the power of the name and releases the strength of the goodness and glory of God. And that is faith-filled praise and worship. People say, why do you guys make all this racket and this noise in church? I like a contemplative, quiet church, a very, you know... Serious, somber church. I don't want all this racket and noise. Well, first of all, you know, we have some great musicians and stuff. So let me go ahead and preface that before I say this next phrase. And greyhound them and throw them under the bus. We're not that good. We don't have a symphony. We don't have an orchestra. We got three chords and a guitar. You know what I'm saying? We got some keys. We got some skins. We got a kit. We got our voices. And so we like to make a joyful noise before the Lord 
We like to praise Him with everything that we have. We like to express ourselves the best way we know how. And, and let me just say, we have some great musicians. They're awesome. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's a little unrefined. But we make some noise because we've realized there is power in praise and power in worship. When you put your passion in your praise and your worship, it makes a difference. Faith is released. The enemy is stilled and quieted. I'll put it to you this way. It's also an easy thing to clap. It's an easy thing to, to raise your hands even. Some people were uncomfortable with it at first in churches. You know, they'll, they'll slowly they'll do this, you know. And sometimes they'll do this. And occasion, you know, then it starts getting higher, you know. And then, you know, wah, you know, somewhere it goes to look. It, and, and so, you know, there, there are some things that we do that, but I want to tell you one of the most effective things you can do, and it's, it's referred to actually in what Jesus said about Psalm 8, is lift up your voice with, with praise and worship, with a shout unto God, putting your passion in your voice. We do it at ball games. We do it when our passions are aroused and we're like arguing and fighting and screaming and hollering. We do it when we're yelling at somebody. We do it when we're excited about something. We lift our voice. When you lift your voice in praise and worship, there is something so powerful about that. That wall is talking and needs to be silenced. And there is a strength that comes. Jesus said, if these hold their peace in the same passage, the rocks will cry out. They were yelling out, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. He was talking about those glories, that glory in the highest. But it was being released on the earth through their praise and worship, stilling the avenger. So I want to encourage you. You can lift your voice unto God. Don't fight thoughts with thoughts. Fight thoughts with words. Praise God with your voice. Don't be quiet about it either. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, Almighty God. There's something different about saying this. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, Almighty God. But when you say, thank you, Jesus, I give you praise, Almighty God, and you put your passion and your soul into it, there is something powerful that takes place. It's the same in singing, man. When you're singing, you know, like, uh, you know, like a rolling, like a rolling stone, like a runaway train, no turning back, no more yesterday is my, you know, as opposed to like a rolling stone, like, I mean, just like putting your soul into it. The walls are coming down. It's, there's something powerful about engaging your soul with your voice and lifting up the name of Jesus. You're putting spiritual pressure on the wall. If you want the wall to fall, let me encourage you. Praise Him. Do you know the devil is terrified of your potential? In the story of the walls coming down at Jericho, two messengers, two spies had gone in to the city and and they had met Rahab. And, And Rahab, she was a bad girl. But she was nice to these spies. And the reason why is because she knew who they were. And she said, we've heard of you for 40 years. We've been terrified. This had to be a revelation. These spies are like 40 years ago. Our parents were terrified of you. 
She's like, why? We've, been ter- we've heard what God did for y'all in Egypt. We've been terrified this whole time that y'all are coming. We've just been scared out of our minds. You guys are coming after us. We've been so scared of y'all. It's, isn't that amazing? They were scared of them, but the people, the, really it was the Amorites there, the, the people of Jericho were afraid of the children of Israel. It's the same with you. Sometimes we look at our walls and we say, man, there's big fortified cities and giants out there. They're just out to get me. I have no defenses. When the whole time that devil's saying, I hope they never figure out what they got. I hope they never figure out who they are. Because if they do, I know these walls I've constructed are going to fall down. The strongholds are coming down. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God wants to bring down walls in this church today. Stand with me right now. I believe there's faith faith that is rising in our house today to bring down walls. The Lord told Joshua he had already given him the city. I love this. This is before the walls fell. He said, I've already given you the city. God was saying to Joshua, God was pointing things out to him that were in his future but he was using the present tense. In other words, in the mind of God, it's already done. And here's what I need you to do to get what I've promised and what I've said is already existing. I need you to march around these walls, do it like I say, put it in this formation. And at the end of that time, I just need you to blow those trumpets and shout. And, and I've already given you the city. But to open the door, to make it happen, to access it, do what I say. Lift your voice up, shout unto God, watch the walls come down, take the city. He's, he's telling him stuff that's present tense, but he doesn't see it. Sometimes God tells you things that he tells them to you in the present tense when it doesn't look like they've already happened. But what he's asking of you is, do you trust me? I can't give you the explanations. Your mind's too small for me to give it to you like that. Just do what I say. You ever told your kids something like that? Do this. And they're like, why, Daddy? Why, Daddy? I, you're, you, you wouldn't understand. Just, just do it. Just do it. I've got your best interest in, in, in heart. That's what the Lord is saying. Just, just do what I've said to do. And pray big prayers, man. Believe for big things. And then with faith-filled praise, lift up your voice and shout. We're going to do this time of prayer at the end here a little bit differently today. What I would like to do is to have everybody come to the front. And if you're a guest, please don't be intimidated or afraid. We won't judge you if you don't come down. But I I really wish everybody would come to the front. Come all the way to the front. We're not going to embarrass you or humiliate you or whatever. Just come around the front. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.